Hello everybody, Eda LaRosa here with yet another episode of this series. Just came back from great holiday from the island of Madeira, which is Portuguese, but it is located in the Atlantic Ocean and the geographical zone of Africa, actually. It's a beautiful mountainous subtropical island with uh, different climate zones, each one with different floras and faunas. Located about one and a half hours from mainland Portugal, it's blessed with a stunning scenery also. Amongst them, the Cabo Girao, a lofty sea cliff on the southern tip of the island, which we visited, and it has the highest cliff skywalk in Europe. You stand on transparent glass about 550 meters above sea level. That's 1,850 feet, straight down beneath you. And also, of course, this island is known for its tasty Madeira wine. And all in all, the weather, the food and the people, for us northerners, it's a special getaway to come to this Hawaii of Europe. And uh, this time around, I overheard many Americans as well. Uh, turned out there was a straight flight from New York to Madeira this year. There were also these ginormous uh, cruise ships harbored. And a cab driver told me that there were about 4,000 passengers on board. Uh, the streets of the capital, Funchal, were absolutely jam-packed that day. So, having a Brian Schaefer story on my mind whilst on this holiday. Uh, in this day, the series actually hit the 20,000 downloads. A new milestone. And the latest apps, the whole series continues to be downloaded. So I wanted to release this particular episode in connection to that. And as you know, we're also hitting the uh, 31st of March soon, which will be the 17th year mark that Brian has been missing. I'll uh, recap the series from the beginning to kind of see where things stand today with the disappearance of Brian Schaefer in mind and how things have evolved to kind of see where we're headed next. So it will be easier also if you decided to skip an app for various reasons. And the red thread in this series, despite other cases are featured, will always be Brian Schaefer and his disappearance. The scope of every episode will always bear that in mind. But we also gotta be aware that at the end of the day, this is also entertainment media. And there's so much competition, it's crazy. So many true crime podcasts are out there. Like how many? 80,000. There's no point in just being technical and adding facts and numbers, for instance. Uh, you wouldn't be listening, as rude as it sounds. So I'll get a multifaceted role here. Um, we also got to keep in mind that not all people are, f- are yet familiar with Brian's disappearance. Even though there's been a huge surge the last couple of years including other cases might spark curiosity towards our main protagonist. And continuing and monitoring Brian's case, I'm also dependent on new information or developments. And sadly, this part is reliant on mainstream media to do its part, but also people close to Brian's case and Brian himself to reach out or share something appropriate that would have helped. But if a trip over to Ohio would do the job in some kind of fashion, I'm all ears to head over there. 
So bringing awareness to other cases and therefore more information to the table, I found this to be highly enlightening. When I research these cases and ultimately compile an episode, I hope you get this sensation as well. In one way, this is part of the exploration to reveal the ultimate goal. So if you would have talked disappearances with me prior of my knowledge with Brian's case, I can't honestly recall how I would have reacted. I know that I heard about Bryce Laspisa's case in the past, and there were so many twists and turns, and I was so bewildered I didn't know what to make of it. It was just so freaking weird to hear. This time around, and really researching it, I saw things from many new angles. It's still this completely bizarre disappearance, but new perspectives aid me in evolving. I'm processing the data totally different, and trust me when I say there's more we can bring to the table. But this seems to reflect almost only male disappearances. However, as soon as I try to discern what could have happened to a female missing persons, for example, for me it's much harder. I see seldom the same patterns and motives, and I have a hard time relating. Some well-known cases do exist, like Elisa Lamb's, but I fear many women go missing at the hands of someone else's wrongdoing. It's nonetheless a more blurred vision with those types of disappearances, and I would be conveying something that could be totally out of place. So that's why, if you're wondering why I almost exclusively cover male cases. So going back to the beginning, in the first step, a narrative, which has been remodeled a few times, is, uh, is the ingress to the series. I go a little deeper than the main introduction to Brian's case, and also share what got me involved from the beginning. We also get to know more about the Aglituna and the area around the bar. It's somewhat a hard listen if you're unfamiliar with my storytelling style. But you pass this hurdle though, and it gets easier. And we've also left behind some people who weren't going start to finish anyways. In exits and searches, we head into the bar. Get to know the band that played at night, and I describe the building interior in greater detail. Part 3 continues with really the assessment that the investigation conducted led nowhere and that eyes were then raised on Brian's companion that night, Clint Florence, and a lot about his role. Events and Theories is an app with a timeline of various important events in the days following Brian's disappearance, including the clip with Dave Yost on the sketch release. I conclude that episode with a portion of the theories ascribed to this case. Part 5 with Primo Zanoli is conducted with the help of Julia, local to a disappearance near her hometown of Modena, with striking similarities to the gateway building and a possible narrative to what could have happened to Brian himself. Part 6 is the preface to the interview episode I have with Tana about any foul play scenarios that Brian could have encountered when he went missing. We probably spent 5-6 hours discussing various crime-related issues, even though just that hour made its way in the series. The two episodes on a Swedish elite soldier, Dennis Arda, is a case that grabbed our attention locally. I even went to look for him myself. An intriguing case with a possible end twist, which is yet to be mentioned. Brian Schaefer left the building, right? Is really the gateway building revisited, and an app 
that you have to be open-minded about this disappearance. Then we head to Georgia and get to know the vanishing of Christopher Tompkins. In the follow-up, I dwell deeper into some facts. And we also learn about Terence Woods and Jacob Connor. Then the HLN episode was finally released, winter of 21. And I went through the episode, adding comments as that show progressed. The totality of that show was expressed in The Story Will Continue, where I tried my best to debunk the lead detective's worst fear. That Brian's body, unfortunately, could have taken a ride to Tennessee. Me and Jordan from On The Mind Pod then chatted over an hour in an app really, take, really talking generally about Brian's case and the HLN app that had been released. The video debacle is my take on the odd movement Brian was in doing, thanks to that resized image sequence the HLN episode provided. And it stirred up a lot of commotion on forums, in comment sections and on YouTube. The vanishing of Terence Woods is just a bewildering case, and thorough research from this end, and the start of a possible new road where we really ponder what the disappearance at its core can be about. Then we head outdoor, where I commented if the captain from True Crime Garage is right to claim his eyes see Brian Schaefer go down the escalators. And then I end that up with my own weird daydream. The Two Squares is really an app to put words and visualization behind something we got trouble understanding from our mindset. And the app about Priceless Pizza is a detailed descriptive tale of just that. Thinking ahead, the last episode on this podcast will probably be called an anti-narrative. And when that happens, I'll highlight a few closing points and how it's even possible to draw a full circle of this case. And as I said, things will make more sense if you've been following from the beginning. In each app, we learn something taking us further and further. But a few more apps are still in the pipeline, or planned, which I think will get us closer to draw that circle. Because to really just keep pounding the question, what do you think happened? Really just shut things down. This case requires planting, seeding, caring, and a lot of patience. The willingness to go back and re-examine, and to commit, even when you see no path forward, is the only way. And the recent episode I've released questioned the true value of complete knowledge of something. Is it a blessing or a curse? In all of these missing persons cases, it is highlighted, and for a very good reason, the importance of family members to stay put and motivated and keep at it to get an answer. Even then, it's almost an impossible task. But it nonetheless pushes a tired law enforcement agency to stay committed and on their toes. In Brian's case, the unfortunate circumstances leaves us with no close family member left alive except for Derek to keep digging. We know that Randy did his utmost to try to find out whatever happened to Brian. So the next episode released will be an homage to him and his hard struggle to find his son. Really, a large portion of the series is an homage to this. Back in the days, 
and I got to learn about the case. I was in this trance state mode, thinking about it. Keep digging to find out more was the only remedy. All that info eventually became the series. But in that span, I encountered a radio interview. It was buried deep, deep down. I can't even find it today. I don't think many know about it, or perhaps you listened to it way, way back. I suspect it's still very much unknown to the majority. And I've based information off of it in the series episodes. Conducted in August 2007, a few months back I tried to refine it and couldn't. Of course, I kept the clip in my archives. I remember it was part of a larger episode. This tells even me how sucked into I was when researching the case back in the past. So a piece of information like this cannot disappear from this case. So I'll post the interview shortly with no extra comment or something in between. Note that the host, like so many others after him, gives the wrong birthday date to Brian. But uh, that's it really. So the next episode will feature an interview with Brian's dad, Randy Schaefer. Make sure to spread the word about this series and rate if you can. So long from this faraway stretch of land. See ya.